Hey all you nostalgic bookworms. Welcome to 9021 Here We Go, the podcast that takes a look at each episode of Beverly Hills 90210 from Fox to the CW. I'm Kendra Mickles and I'm seeing these episodes for the first time. I'm Nick Gunning and I've seen them all. You can find more about this show and others like it at our network's website, radiomeanwhile.com. Other shows on the network include Is It Classic, Does It Rock? where we pick a band or artist and go through their discography album by album, track by track. Three Nice Things, where we force ourselves to say three nice things about a movie with a bad and often earned reputation. Radio 64, featuring video game music remixes hosted by Dusk vs. Tweak, and previously on X-Men, where we look back on X-Men comics, movies, shows, characters, and more. Share your thoughts on this and upcoming episodes by following us on Twitter, at HereWeGoPod, and the O in Go is a zero, of course. That's important. And please rate, subscribe, and share the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we're taking a break from our ongoing rewatch to bring you a special interview. <gasps> Nick, who's living in Beverly Hills this week? Well, Kendra, I'm so glad you asked. Today, we're going to be speaking with Mel Gildon. Mel Gildon. Mel Gildon was the official novelizer of the Beverly Hills 90210 franchise. Uh, and beyond that, he's the author of more than 40 published books for children and adults, both originals and adaptations of licensed properties, such as Star Trek. Uh, I've had the Beverly Hills 90210 novelization since I was a tiny little kid. Mm -hmm. But I think the first one that I actually read was a Star Trek Next Generation book he wrote called Boogeyman. <laughs> that so, is no surprise. I, I know. No surprise. Anyway, he's scripted over 100 original episodes of television, drama, and comedy, served as a production consultant with companies such as Deke Animation and Hanna-Barbera. Uh, those are the animation studios of my childhood. I remember yeah. seeing those logos at the end of cartoons Definitely. all the time. I was a big Hanna-Barbera fan. Oh, yeah. He also designed attractions for Disney and Universal theme parks and wrote many articles about pop culture for the Los Angeles Times and many more. And more. All right. Shall we dig right Let's into it? Let's do it. Let's, Let's get do into it. it. <laughs> today Mel it's, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you and we we got some questions about your 90210 work but uh, before we get into that I wonder if you could tell us just a little bit about your start in television uh, writing for the Smurfs James Bond Jr. Fraggle Rock all of that how, how did you get involved with television writing well you know I had friends that were doing it and I how can I say this I, you know I was working just as a, at a day job and um, when I found out that these that this was happening, I thought, well, I can do that. I can do that. Mm -hmm. So I went and I talked to my friend, and he introduced me to Arthur Nadell, who was the story editor at Filmation, uh, and he was doing He-Man. Okay. He was, he was a story editor of He-Man at Filmation, and he he seemed like a, a pretty nice fella, and and he invited me to come in with with some ideas. And they gave me the, the, the story Bible. Do you know what a story Bible is? Yeah, but could you explain it for our listeners? Okay. Um, this is uh, a, the book that they give you. When you want to write a show, this is the book that they give you. And it explains who the characters are and what sort of people they are and the sorts of things that they would do. Okay. And it also explains the sort of stories that they're looking for and just anything that you might want to know about that show is in the Bible. I see. Small b. Mm -hmm. Small b. Right. So, I had, so I had a copy of the He-Man Bible, Small b, and um, uh, I wrote uh, uh, one that they liked. And uh, and uh, so it was on the air, 
And um, that was my first one. Now, after that, it was, I wouldn't say it became easier, but I got to know people. Sure. And people, and there's a lot of talking up and back. There's a lot of nice people in the cartoon business. Okay. I must say, a lot of nice people in the cartoon business. And I'd say, well, I'm looking for work. And they, oh, this is open. Call them. They'll take care of you. As a matter of fact, I still have friends uh, that I was uh, that I was writing for and writing with. Even now, these are people that I still talk to. We don't talk about cartoons anymore, right? <laughs> you know, but we we're buddies. We're buddies, and we talk about this stuff. And uh, I I like doing it. And um, then it sort of went away, mm-hmm. and. It happened that a lot of these shows were being produced in Canada. Mm. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, it suddenly happened. And um, the thing about the Canadians was that they were doing a thing where uh, it needed a certain amount of Canadian. That's what they call it, Canadian content. Oh yes, content, yeah, I've heard of that. Canadian content. Yeah. And that means that if you had enough Canadian content, you got a special deal on mm-hmm. your taxes. Mm-hmm. So if an American wanted to write, he couldn't. Because an American was not a Canadian content, you know, and so just a lot of um, months went by when I couldn't do any writing. Okay. Uh, just a, a, a lot of things happened all at once, and I was not the only one who was suddenly without a job. Mm-hmm. But it happened. It happened all of a sudden. Was yeah. was He Man? Was He Man your favorite show to work on, or were there some of the others? I see. I love James Bond Junior. So that's that's the one that keeps standing out to me. I loved that when I was a kid. Well, you know, I I wrote a James Bond Junior. Did, did you read uh, Goldfinger? I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a Goldfinger story. Yeah, and I've been I've always been a big fan of of James Bond. My favorite has always been Sean Connery. Sure. And I thought, why not Goldfinger? Let's do a Goldfinger story. Yeah. And uh, and that's what I did, and I had a wonderful time doing it. And uh, some months later, uh, somebody sent me a copy of a James Bond Jr. comic book of my story. Oh, and it was it was great. It was pretty much the story that I had written. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know how these comic book people are. <laughs> the, the guy who did the drawing was in there. The guy who did the penciling was in there. The guy who did the the writing of words was in there. But my name was not included. Oh, really? No, it didn't. Yeah. It didn't include based on your episode or anything like that. Just... No, nothing. Nothing like that. Oh, nothing wow. Like that. Oh, and I was pretty irked. Yeah, I bet. By that, I was pretty irked by that. But uh, but uh, it did appear, and uh, I, I really I thought the James Bond Junior. One was, what was the girl's name? What did I call her? L- Lotta De Niro. Oh, it's been so, yeah. <laughs> her funny. name was Lotta De Always has to be a pun. <laughs> Always has to be a pun in the James Bond world. Always has to be a pun. Yeah. And if you couldn't, you couldn't have a sexy pun because right. it was just, you know, because it was a cartoon yeah. for kids. Yeah. But I thought Lotta De Niro really yeah. worked out pretty Oh, well. yeah. I had the action yeah. figures. I had some comic books. It was, it was a good <laughs> oh, time. Really? It was a good time. Yep. Uh, well, maybe you have my. Maybe, maybe have I do. I guess now book. I need to. I need to go it's, back in my long box. Yeah, take 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 a look. <laughs> it was uh, about Goldfinger, and he found the lost city of gold. Oh, well, perfect That's match. what it was. That's what it was. And of course, uh, what's his name? Uh, Odd Job was there. Yeah. And, and uh, James Bond Jr. was there, and his buddies were there, and they took care of everything. And there was gold all over the place. Anyway, I really, I think, I think that's the one that I enjoyed the most. Oh, okay. All right. Just because it was James Bond, and I love James Bond. So, so tell me, how did you how did you get pulled into the nine hundred two one zero world? Do you think your uh, Do you think your television writing background? Do you think that helped at all, or do you it just? 
How did that happen? Because looking at your uh, looking at your website here, melgilden.com, and looking at um, a lot of the things you've worked on, it seems like uh, you know you lean towards sci-fi and, and a lot of uh, licensed properties and that sort of thing. Whereas 90210 kind of stands out from the others. So we were just kind of curious and and how you got into that world. I will tell you. All right. As far as I know, <laughs> I was as far as I know. Um, my agent called and said, do you want to do this? And I said, are they going to pay me? And then she said, yes. And I said, okay. And that's, I don't know why they chose me. Really? I really don't know. The only, the only answer, the only thing that I can, that I can guess, and it's only a guess, is that they had, that they had talked to my agent okay. and she knew that I lived in Los Angeles and mm-hmm. had been actually been in Beverly Hills. I knew Beverly Hills cause I had been there, Okay, you know, and I think that that was part of it. The idea that I, that I, when I described Beverly Hills, I could do a good job of the description cause I had been there mm. and had, I never actually lived in, I used to, I used to live with my parents in a place called Beverly Hills adjacent. <laughs> That's what that's what it was called. That's the real estate people called it that. Beverly Hills adjacent. So we lived just sort of to the east of Beverly Hills, but we'd go there all the time. You mm-hmm. know, you could walk down Rodeo Drive and you could and you could look in the store windows because that was free. Looking in the right. store windows, yeah. you know, and um, just driving through was and and uh, at Christmas time it was always an incredible experience because they had all this stuff hanging from the the chandeliers, you know. And uh, but as for a real solid reason why I cannot tell you. Interesting. <laughs> Maybe so, it was just because I lived around here, and and that was that was the answer. Yeah, I guess that's a selling point. But they must have liked me because they kept me for like seven or eight books. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. how far along was the series by the time you got involved writing the books? Oh, that's a very good question. Let me see what was going on. Uh, like was it was it already on the air and in airing oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, okay. it was definitely on the air okay it was definitely on the air and i think that it was somewhere late in the first season because of course i hadn't been watching it sure as you say it was not really of interest to me sure mm-hmm. but as soon as i you know started doing this uh i began watching it and and looking at the characters and i really enjoyed it after a while you know i said oh look at these people mm-hmm. these are crazy high school kids right. you know, <laughs> crazy high school kids now the way this happened the way i did the actual writing was and maybe this was helpful is certainly helpful to me is that they would send me scripts this script either will be on the air soon or has just been on the air okay and i would take that and i would kind of there'd be in each quarter hour there'd be a little bit of each character here's brandon having his little troubles and here's brenda having her little troubles Mm -hmm. and here's and here's uh what's his name uh dylan well yeah, Steve. Dylan, <laughs> Dylan having his little troubles, yeah. and each of them kind of squeezed in there, and I didn't think that that was going to work for a book. Yeah, it's a lot of going back and forth between a characters. A lot of back and, and forth, show. and I didn't want to do quite that much back and forth, so I made notes for myself, and I would like take all all the Brandon stuff and put it together, and all the Brenda stuff, and all the Dylan stuff, and put it together. And so now each chapter is specifically about this character. And I thought that that worked pretty well. 
Well, yeah, um, it does. It does give the books a better flow. I mean, it really it feels like you're reading a book that happens to be about these characters rather than just like a straight, you know, like literal adaptation of the episode beat by beat. I think it works a lot better at doing it the way that you did it. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, that was my uh, that was that was my idea. Um, it was kind of it was it was not always uh, easy, even if I had the script in front of me. Because, for instance. Um, there was a, a moment when I guess it was, uh, uh, what's his name Steve uh-huh. St- Steve had the, this girl and on the TV show they were talking about uh, tongue kissing <laughs> it was actually on the air yeah uh-huh. and so I put that into the book because uh-huh. I thought well it's, it's on TV I'll right. put it in yeah. and they made me take it out oh they made me take it out, and I think they did it because they think I. Because I think because they saw the readers of those books as younger than the actual show watchers. Oh, I see. That was my guess. So they think people who maybe like that. weren't allowed to watch the show were reading the books or something <laughs> like that. Like, is that what they were going for? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of things that that, that I don't know. Okay. Uh, I know that I had a good time. I know that the lady who was editing the books while I was there, she was a terrific person. And she would say, well, do this and try that and do this other thing. And every couple of months, they would send me three or four new scripts. And out of those three or four new scripts, I would write a novel. Okay. And so, uh, it was just a great year for me. So would you get the scripts? You, you mentioned that you get them, you know, maybe an episode that's just aired or, or episodes that were coming up. Did you ever get a chance to watch the episodes before writing the novelizations or you would just, you would just strictly work from scripts? <sighs> the script was always helpful. Okay. But yeah, I watched the show whenever I could. I watched the show all the time. Okay. And so the thing was that even if I did not see the exact script, I knew those characters pretty well. Mm-hmm. By the time I was writing those books, I knew those characters almost as well as I knew Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. <laughs> All right. Because I was watching every week. I never missed an episode. And uh, uh, so that gave me a certain amount of opening into those into those books. So what was the uh, response to, to the books? Do you, do you find that people enjoy reading the novelizations, even if they've seen the the episode were they pretty popular as they were coming out as you said i mean they did quite a few of them so they must have been selling pretty well for them well i guess they were selling pretty well what was really interesting about that was <laughs> i have a couple of what i hope are funny stories about that <laughs> we'll take them okay 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 one funny story is in germany of all places I was more popular than a lot of what we th- would think of as bestsellers here in this country. Okay. You know, I didn't make any money. <laughs> I mean, I, they, they paid me what they said they were going to pay me, uh-huh. but the extra money for being very popular went to Darren Starr, oh, I went see. to Aaron Spelling. Mm-hmm. I didn't see any of it. Okay. I didn't see any of it. Okay. Anyway, um, it was very strange. I got a phone call from a magazine called Bunta. B-U-N-T-E, which I was told was kind of like the People magazine of Germany. That's what I was told. And um, anyway, what finally happened was the following week, they sent out a photographer and uh, somebody to write up an article. And they took pictures of me and they asked me questions. Wow. 
And then a couple of months later, they sent me a copy of Bunta that had my photograph and my, and apparently I was just the cat's pajamas in <laughs> Germany during that period. Wow. I just, I just was, it was just an incredible time. Uh, I, I didn't make the big money, but I was very popular. Sure. I was enormously popular. See. But the other, and the other story, I, I want to tell you two stories. All, All right. right. The other one is funnier. The other one's <laughs> okay. funnier. The other one's funnier. There was a, a, an issue of Vanity Fair magazine, which, is you know, is a very fancy magazine. Sure. And I was mentioned in Vanity Fair magazine uh, as a guy that was writing books for 90210. And there was an article that I read later from Darren Starr, and because you know Darren Starr created, yeah, mm-hmm. created it, and he said, "Who is this Mel Gildon, and why does he have his name on the cover of my book?" <laughs> so that, oh that's goodness. how famous I was. I was famous enough to irritate Darren Starr. Wow. Okay. So there you are. I'm done now. Go ahead. Ask me anything. <laughs> so. Were these? I mean, what what was what was your experience like? It sounds like you had a pretty good experience doing this, but um, you know, I I had these I had these novelizations when I was a little kid, and I had uh-huh. I had first read your your Star Trek books, and like I said at the top, you know, I th- I feel like you're maybe more 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 of your work is in that sci-fi genre. So what was it like to switch from writing you know Kirk and Spock and space to to writing you know rich kids in Beverly Hills? Like what what was that like for you as a writer? You know, I don't think it was like anything. All right, okay. You know, the the, the truth is that I just kind of said, I just sat down and I wrote as best I could Mm -hmm. both times. I wasn't thinking, oh, science fiction has to go this way and 90210 has to go that way. That never happened. It was always, I'm going to do the best writing that I can with this story. Yes, and that's what I did. So the episodes that you novelize, looking looking at the ones that are out there, they they range from you know the pilot all the way up through the fourth season. But were you so was this over a course of years that you were writing these, or did you get oh, them? Oh yeah, through? okay, yeah, a course of years. Uh huh. And yeah, do, absolutely years. Do you know why they were eventually stopped? Because the show, of course, went on for another six years after that. Uh, the last one that I wrote had to do with them going to college. I think. Okay. I don't know there were actually, I think it was them talking about going to college, but I don't think I actually did one of the college books. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know why they stopped. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they stopped. See, I was just the writer. They don't tell me anything. (laughs) And that's true of almost any time a writer is going to, especially if he's going to write something in somebody else's universe, you know, a franchise. Yeah. They do stuff, and they don't tell you why. They just say, well, this is what's happening, and goodbye. Um, I don't know why. I, I, did, did it really go another six years it, it's after ten, that? It's ten seasons, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's wow. It's ten seasons total, yep. Uh, uh, see, this is all old news for me. Sure, we're yeah. Talking about, <laughs> we're talking about uh, a long time ago, and yeah. a lot of things I... I wish I could tell you, and I certainly would, but I don't remember. <laughs> That's all right. Kendra, I Kendra and I are nostalgic. <laughs> uh, well, let me ask you this. On, on, uh, on the Elder Book Show, I talk quite a bit about uh, how much I love novelizations and how, um, for me, you know, growing up, I, I, just as a reader, novelizations were the things that um, really kind of fired my interest for reading because, you know, it was a movie that I like or characters that I would like, and I would see that novelization, and 
you know, I just wanted, I wanted more of those characters and the novelization sure. sort of provided that. And so I think, I think novelizations get sort of an, uh, an unfair rep, you know, for just being, you know, not really serving a purpose and not really being like legit, but I feel like, um, they are really important. And I know you talk about this a little bit, uh, on one of your essays on your website, but could you just talk a little bit about, about novelizations and, and, you know, the purpose that they serve? Well, I really think they are important. Yeah. You know, if you want more Star Trek or more 90210 or more Babylon 5 or whatever it is that you want more of, it's the only place to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no there was no internet. There was there there was no way to yeah. rent this stuff from yeah. anybody. So either either you went with the books or you went without. Mm-hmm. You know, my feeling is also that anything that you read is better than not reading. Mhm. Yeah, I you agree. Know, it's, it, 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 it's like uh, there are people who say, oh, you can't let the kid read comic books because it'll ruin his brain. Well, mm-hmm. that's not true. Oh, yeah. I hate it that, when people say that. I do too. <laughs> comic books are just fine. Yeah. And I think novelizations are just fine. There are some that are beautifully written. Mm-hmm. There are some that are awful. But that's true of any kind of book, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, any kind of book that you pick out of the library or go to the bookstore and pick off the shelf, some are good and some are not. So, um, no, I don't see a problem with that at all. I don't see a problem with that at all. I had a good time writing them, and I think people had a good time reading them because, as I said, occasionally I will get an email from somebody that I don't know who said, oh, I love those books. Do you have any more? Mm -hmm. And I say, no, I don't. And if I did, I don't own the rights. Yeah. Well, Kendra and I have been enjoying them as as we rewatch the the show. I've been revisiting the novelizations that go with them, and it's it's interesting to see you know just the little changes here or there, or the little character bits that you add because, you know, in in book form, you really do have to kind of expand what you're seeing on the uh, really on the do. screen. You know, I mean, there's so much going on in their heads, and I mean, what was that like? Because you really had to kind of dive into the, the that you know, was the a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. That I enjoyed doing most. Uh, even more than actually adapting what I had in front of me. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed saying, well, now what was Brandon thinking when this was happening? Mm -hmm. You know, what was, what was Brandon? What were the the parents thinking at this time? And this gave me a chance to actually, um, uh, think of stuff and I thought I did a good job with it because I know who those people were by the time I was writing these I knew who those people were just just like the people who were actually writing the scripts knew who the people were mm-hmm. and uh, this gave me a chance to uh, sometimes I came up with my own dialogue sometimes I came up with my own gags mm-hmm. and sometimes they stayed you know every once in a while they cross stuff out uh, but most most of the time if they weren't dirty yeah, you know, if if they were just uh, just kind of gags, they would leave them in. Um, there was oh god, what was it? Um, this is uh, Brandon and Brenda's mother. What was, the, what was the name of the family? Walsh. The Walshes. Yeah. The Walshes. That's right. The Walshes. They were going to go. Mr. and Mrs. Walsh were going to go to a store and buy uh, furniture. Mm-hmm. They were going to buy, and uh, it was it was furniture from. Oh, who are they? They're the ones that live in in, uh, in back east, and they, they only drive horses. They don't have, uh, they, they they don't drive cars. Oh, the Amish. And the Amish. This is Amish built furniture. Okay. And 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 the father says, 
I thought they made oatmeal. <laughs> and, and the wife says, no, 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 that's the Quakers. They make the oatmeal. <laughs> now, I put that in there. I don't remember it being in the script, mm-hmm. but I put it in there and they left it in. Nice. Because it's just funny. Yeah. You know, I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't say anything nasty. Yeah. And um, um, that was in there. Do you have a favorite character either that you like to write or that you enjoyed watching when you were watching the show? Oh, my gosh. There were a lot of good characters. There were a lot of good characters that I like to watch. And I I think, you know, Brandon and and Dylan together, Brandon maybe was Brandon and Dylan and Steve. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like the big trio. Yeah. And uh, I, I always enjoyed them. Yeah. I always enjoyed them. Uh, I have before me, right in front of me, a copy of um, one of the Dino 210 books. This one's called Tis the Season. This was their Christmas book. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. You know? Mm-hmm. And uh, this was the one where Steve was not only, it was not only Christmas, but Steve was looking for his mother in mm-hmm. Albuquerque. Yeah. And uh, I thought it turned out pretty well. And uh, I thought the characters spoke like themselves. And I really enjoyed that, you know. And, and as I said, if I can invent stuff, what are they thinking? What are they, what are they right. really thinking? What, if, if, they, if they could have had them thinking on the air, what would they be saying? Mm-hmm. And I would put that in there, and I thought that worked out pretty well. Well, I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty clear that you know you you took them seriously, and I think that your your diligence in that really paid off because the characters do feel very true to what you see on the screen. So I would say to our listeners, if you're a fan of the show but haven't gone back and read Mel's novelizations, go to your local library, find them online, and give them a read because they're a lot of fun to revisit. Oh well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Now, here's my question. Yes. When you were reading Boogeyman, did you feel that way about Wesley, or did you think that I did something else? Well, nothing's gonna I, make I, me. Nothing's gonna make me like Wesley, <laughs> but I. No, I, I did my best to make yeah, you like Wesley. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Best. Yeah. Yeah. But I think uh, I think it's you know look looking at your other work and your Star Trek canon, I think it is clear in that too that um, you know that you 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 took your time to make sure you got the characters' voices right. So I think uh, in your Star Trek Next Generation book. <laughs> Man, I think you do get Wesley's voice right, and uh, that that does come across. So yeah. Okay, and I and I did it. I also, as you say, I tried doing that with the nine hundred two one zero books too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, mission accomplished. I think. Agreed. <laughs> well, anyway, right. we, we we really appreciate your time today, and like I said, we we've been enjoying the novelizations, and I'm sure our listeners enjoyed hearing from you. Uh, and, and they can find you online at at melgilden.com. Uh, right. you want you want to talk about some of your uh, your current work that they can get right now? Oh sure, I can do that. I can do that. Now, as I say, most of this is is from um, uh, West Wildside Press, and uh, they have been publishing my work uh, for the last couple of years. And this is mostly mostly kid stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a, a book called The Jabberwock Came Whiffling, which is kind of my version of an updated Alice in Wonderland. Okay. And I thought that worked out pretty well. Now, this this one's maybe for for people who are... This is not really a kid's book. This was called Dangerous Hard-Boiled Magicians. <laughs> now, you remember I was talking about surfing samurai robots? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I said that there are three of those. And mm-hmm. there are three of those. Uh, I don't own the rights to them. Myron Price owned the rights to them. And when he died, somebody else bought the whole basket. Oh, I see. You know, and so I didn't. So what I needed to do was create a different character or a different set of characters. But it's pretty much 
the same kind of thing. Okay. Dangerous hard-boiled magicians uh, by Mel Gildon. Um, the detective is a guy named Turner Cronin. He's human. He's not an uh, he's he's not an alien, but he goes around his um, the person that he's with is a woman named Astrea, and she is the Greek goddess of justice, mm. and they sort of help each other. They sort of help each other solve the, solve the crimes. So that that's out there. I'm working on a new one of those. So that's, okay. uh, we'll see what happens with that. And then the other ones are kids' books. Here's one called The Accidental Time Cadet, which is about um, these guys from the like two, three hundred years in the future. And they get involved with a time machine and they end up dealing with people who are on a science fiction program in the 1950s. Oh, okay. Because now you're probably not old enough to remember Space Patrol and Tom Corbett's Space Patrol. I do not. So Kendra on. definitely doesn't. No, no. no. <laughs> but these these were incredibly effective in my life, and so I really wanted to write a book about them, and so I did. <laughs> and so these guys from 300 years in the future ended up talking to uh, these people on a science fiction program in the 1950s. Okay. I thought that worked out pretty well. Yeah, the funny. Accidental Time Cadet is that one. And then I've got a couple of shorter ones, one called The Coincidence Couch, which is about these two kids who get this used couch, and it turns out to have supernatural powers. Ooh. It doesn't grant wishes. What it does is it causes coincidences to happen. Okay. And I thought that worked out pretty well. And then there's this other one called Dr. Big. And Dr. Big is about a kid that goes to summer camp, which turns out to be a front for uh, an international crime organization. Mm-hmm. And so he has he ends up trying to help um, this international good guy organization get rid of them. So I thought that worked out pretty well. Anyway, I just I, I do all this stuff. I do, <laughs> I do whatever comes to mind. Nice. And I so do these, whatever comes to mind. So anyway, these, if they go to Wildside Press yeah. and look up my name, you will see all these titles and. And uh, if you buy them, then I can pay my rent. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Mel Gilden, thanks so much for talking to us today. We really appreciate it. We enjoyed talking to you. Well, thank you. Thank you for calling me. Absolutely. Nice to hear from you. Good yeah. luck with your show. Thank you very much. And I'll send thank you. Thank you. I'll email you the links to the episodes when they come out oh, as well. Great, great, great. Nice to talk right. to you. You too. Have a nice night. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Mel Gilden for uh, the time he took to talk with us. It, really interesting that it, yeah. it, he just sort of, you know, I thought there was going to be some elaborate story and how he got it, but it was like he just, yeah, he, he was the one. He, he was did. the one to he do it. He did the thing. He was, <laughs> it was what, 90210 adjacent? Is that yes. what <laughs> Anyway. Yeah. Um, so all total, Mel wrote 11 novels spanning the pilot through season four. They include Beverly Hills, 90210. No Secrets. Which Way to the Beach. Tis the Season. Two Hearts. Where the Boys Are. More Than Words. Summer Love. Senior Year. Graduation Day. And College Bound. That's right. See, I told you there'd be some college stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your prediction <laughs> So, Nick, you're, you're a big novelization fan. Yeah. I'm also a big novelization fan. Oh, yes. Um, and I, I read No Secrets mm-hmm. um, for this uh, for this interview, and uh, it was really good. Like, he did, he did a really good job of not only 
you know, telling what happens in the episodes, but really getting into the the mind of of the characters. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's able to flesh it out a little bit, and you know, they they really feel like books. Yeah, you know what I mean. They it do. feels like you're reading an original story. It doesn't, you know, sometimes with novelizations, it feels very much like they have the screenplay next to the computer, and they're you know yeah. just kind of yeah, but. I think he really did a good job of fleshing these out. He and definitely I, put more thought into it absolutely. than just, you know, absolutely. a word-for-word word translation. I've so. read quite a few of them, uh, and I'm also, as we get to the episodes, as we're covering these in the show, I'm going back and reading the novelization with it as well. So it's interesting to see the little differences that we mm-hmm. find every now and then. Yes. So anyway, uh, you can check out Mel's website at melgilden.com. Uh, all sorts of information about uh, his, his long and interesting career. You can also find his latest work, as he mentioned, over at Wildside Press, which is just at wildsidepress.com. So once again, we want to thank Mel Gilden. Yes, thank you. Uh, it was really a pleasure talking to him. We, we are grateful for the time that he gave us, and I'm looking forward to finishing the rest of these novelizations. Yes, All right. for sure. Join us next week as we continue our 90210 rewatch. 9021, here, here we, we go! go.